a Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game on? Yep. On the move. Down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He won't say the score. Laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out on, of the who's winning? Rifles towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome to episode 140 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voice guy say, I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster and owner of Game Time Media, a streaming sports platform in the Twin Cities metro area. As always, this podcast is dedicated to sportscasting and sharing stories and ways to improve in the business by talking to sportscasters and people adjacent to sportscasting from all over the country and beyond. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice and share the podcast with your friends on your favorite social media outlet. This episode is recorded in the almost world-famous Say the Damn Score studio in Burnsville, Minnesota. And before we get to our guest for the day, I want to take a little trip down memory lane. Now back to November 24th, 2015. What happened that day? Well, I'm glad you asked. That was when the very first episode of the Say the Damn Score podcast was released. There was about six people who paid attention, and that was for good reason. If you go back and listen to a lot of my early shows, and I hope you don't, to be clear, you'll find they're simply not as good as the more recent episodes. It took a while to figure out the right format, find my voice, get audience feedback, and... Uh, make mistakes and learn things along the way to figure out what works and what does not. Fast forward uh, a couple years to about two years ago, and during the really darkest points of the pandemic, a lot of sportscasters who were on lockdown and didn't have sportscasting jobs because their teams were shut down uh, resorted to starting podcasts. Some of those were pretty good and are still going today. Some were less good and faded out quickly. And I couldn't help but think back to six years ago when I started and made all these dumb mistakes. Probably two or three years ago now, I stumbled upon a podcast called The School of Podcasting. And the host is Dave Jackson. It's the show I wish I had listened to before I started my own podcast. I was about three years too late. I've listened to just about every episode since Dave gives phenomenal advice on how to create a show, pick the right gear, build an audience, everything you could need to start and run your own podcast and do so in a way that it's a good show and that it sticks around and accomplishes whatever you're trying to set out by starting this podcast. Dave can help you do that uh, better than just about anybody else in the business. And here's just a brief list of his qualifications. He has about 47 different podcasts, including the School <laughs> of Podcasting, the Podcast Review Show. He's part of the Podcasters Roundtable, and he is a podcasting Hall of Famer. And Dave, what I want to know, as a podcasting Hall of Famer, do you have like a bronze bust with like a microphone or a headset somewhere? I, I have a... For those that can't see it, it is a, it looks like glass, but it's not, but it's like, it's a weapon. And at the top, it's got a star and they cut this acrylic, I guess is what this is probably. 
and I could kill somebody with this. Like I should have this next to my bed. And that way, if somebody broke in, I could just grab my Hall of Fame award and just jab them in the heart. And I think that would work. But I would I would not want to drop this on my foot. It's it's pretty heavy. And this thing at the top is like, no kidding, like dangerous. Like you, you don't want if you drop this on your foot in this lands, you're, you're going to end up with a giant hole in the top of your foot. Well, let's prevent any toe injuries. Uh, we want to keep your is it tarsals or carpals that are the toes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, I also got a subscription to Hindenburg, so that was you know, <laughs> you know. But I, but there are no groupies and there's no discounts at uh, grocery stores. I tried that. I was like, hey, I'm a Hall of Fame podcaster. They're like, what's a podcast? And I was like, <laughs> all right, never mind. Before we kind of dive into the topics that I do want to hit. You've been podcasting since 2005, according to the intro of your show, The School of Podcasting, where you teach how to do podcasting well. And I want to know what was podcasting like in 2005. It was invented in 2004, according to Wikipedia, the almighty source. (laughs) What was podcasting like then, and how did you initially get into it? I had a uh, – back then I was teaching – in the corporate world. So I'd already been teaching people how to build websites with Microsoft front page. I taught people how to send email because they didn't know what it was. I taught people how to surf the internet. And this is before Google, which makes some people's head explode. So the Alta Vista hot bot kind of thing. And um, this friend of mine, so I would had a, uh, a website, but more importantly, I had a newsletter for musicians. And I, so I'd kind of met these people and they're like, you should put some of these ideas on a website. So I built a website. And this guy that I met through kind of that whole little bubble was a marketer. And he said, hey, I just came back from this big marketing hoo-ha. And he said, "Uh, you know how you missed the MySpace boat, which again kind of dates this. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know. And he goes, the next big thing is going to be podcasting. And I'm like, what's a podcasting? And he's like, it's like this internet radio thing. It's going to be huge. And I just remember I Googled it and there was one and a half pages of results. And I was like, wait, what? Hold on. I think I'm having a caching issue. And I type it again, hit at one and a half pages. And I was like, man, I, I think I broke the internet. There's nothing about this. And so when I finally pieces parted one together, I found this software, had a big picture of a lemon on it. It was called Juice. And I downloaded it and out came the voice of Adam Curry. And I was like, I remember that guy from from MTV. And then I Googled some more and kind of put together an RSS feed and I uploaded a, a file, fired up this software and I saw the file come down. And that's when the light bulb was like, Oh, Oh, I get this now. And, but the, the hardest part was at that point, I don't think the iPod had come out. The iPod came out shortly thereafter. So every time you said, Hey, do you listen to podcasts? They would go, do I need an iPod for that? I'm like, no, I just, just need the internet and computers. So it was really the very early days. It was just nerds because we're the only people that could figure out how to listen to them and how to create one. I had a, uh, a little iRiver was the brand, this little MP3 player that I think held at the time, 128 kilobytes of information. You could put like four files on it and, and play it in your car and that whole nine yards. So it was, it was interesting. The thing I liked about it is it was much more creative back then than it is now. Every, everybody now is trying to sound kind of like radio and back then you had Yeast Radio, which turned out was a dude doing a character of Madge Weinstein, who he referred to as the bloated lesbian. And she was she had this extreme Jersey accent and would just like 
F bombs about every five to seven word was an F bomb. And it was just like, Hey, you can't do this on the radio there. I mean, some of it was really weird. There's one guy that would record his podcast as he was doing his, his morning uh, excavation. Shall we say that he was in the bathroom uh, and, and just, he called it the daily download. So that was kind of weird. So everybody was like, let's just do whatever you can't do on radio. So that was kind of fun and it was really creative and there were some fun people and it was just fun there. I just remember the very first event I went to was in Ontario, California. And we went into the bar of this little, uh, who knows what it was, a holiday inn probably. And it was funny because somebody would walk in. I remember there was a guy named CC Chapman. He did a show called Accident Hash. And we all listened to each other's shows because there weren't that many. And, but we didn't know what anybody looked like. So this guy walks in, he's like, Hey, does, does anybody know where the podcast thing is? And we're like, this is it. And he's like, Oh, cool. And we're like, who are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm CC Chapman. And literally it was like, cheers. The whole place was like, Oh, CC, what's up, buddy. So it was, uh, it was a very tight knit group and uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and we're just all making it up because it was so new. We're all like, Hey, did you try this? No, did you, this thing does this and that. And, we're all, we all have a drawer full of microphones and things like that. So it was, uh, it was interesting. And then just to watch it uh, go from the nerds to in there, there was a, a language kind of boom. All of a sudden, everybody wanted to learn English as a second language or whatever language you wanted to learn. That was a boom. And then of course the comedians came along and the Mark Marins and the Ricky Gervais was actually one of the first guys that really got into it and the Adam Carollas and things like that. So and then you you go forward a little more and you've got serial, which is still we're still kind of in a true crime boom. It's like every other show now is somehow related to murder. It's murder. It's not just for breakfast anymore. And, uh, you know, so it's just fun. And then there's there are people doing really interesting like radio dramas like they, they're fiction writers and then they put it into podcasting. And it's it's just been fun to watch. What was your first podcast about? Uh, being a musician, it was called the Musician Cyber Cooler, where musicians come to trade advice. And it was all about how to get more gigs, how to sell more CDs and things like that. And what was funny is that was released in April of 2005. Shortly thereafter, because I called it the, the Cyber Cooler, because at that point, the Internet was known as cyberspace. Well, cyberspace became very synonymous with cyber sex. And I was like, OK, we need to learn the word, lose the word cyber. So it became the Musician's Cooler. Big giant picture of a water cooler on the on the artwork. It's where musicians come to trade advice and people still like like a wine cooler. Like what's the I'm like, okay, hold on. So I rebranded it again to the marketing musician. And finally people are like, oh, I get what it is. So yeah, so I did that in I started that in um April of uh 2005. And I'm gonna say two months after that, I probably launched the school of podcasting. And that's because at the time, they were saying, man, podcasting is going to be the next big thing. And they were also saying membership sites were going to be the next big thing. And I'd seen so many technical kind of waves come, and I'd go, I should probably do that. And then I wouldn't, and it would go by, and I was like, ah, oh, I should have jumped on that wave. And so this was one. I was like, well, if membership sites are going to be big and podcasting is going to be big, I'm going to launch a podcast membership site. And then what's funny is at that point, I had a college degree. I was a, a copier technician and I'd been training for probably 10 years and I lost my job. I got downsized and I went to get another job in training and my degrees in electronics. And I had to go back to school to actually get a degree in education, even though I'd been doing it for 10 years. And so I needed money to keep me in books and 
courses and all the other fun stuff. So I started the school of podcasting, not only to make money, but to make money quickly in 2005. And to say that is like, that's a bad idea in 2022 to make money quickly, unless you've got an audience that you're bringing with you. And so that's why I was doing the school of podcasting, but I was also doing audio editing and I was doing guitar lessons and I was playing in a band, (laughs) all these other jobs just to keep me afloat. A modern day Renaissance man. Uh, But (laughs) the point of you being here, as much as I like to hear the history of the podcast, is that obviously we are targeting sportscasters with this show. And a lot of sportscasters in the last two years, uh, especially during the pandemic, have started podcasts. Some of them have been pretty good. A lot of them have been really bad. And I guess I just wanted to start with a broad stroke question. When you see broadcasters jump into the podcast space, whether that be radio or TV, what do they do wrong most frequently? They think they, they're still worried about the clock. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I got to hit track of traffic and weather on the 10s. And I'm like, no, actually you don't because we're not doing traffic and weather here. Nobody cares what the weather is in Ohio when they live in, you know, Gestakistan or whatever. So I, I see that. The other thing I, I think when you're on a broadcast, hence the phrase broadcast, you're either going to be talking about sports, money, sex, or health, because those are the things we're in business, right? Which is, I guess is money. And so with podcasting, it's, it's so different than radio, in my opinion. And we all try to make it radio, but it's not. It's much more like cable television. It's the animal planet. It's the shopping network. It's ESPN seven with the, you know, uh, the, the really obscure stuff. And what you then end up, end up with is a smaller audience, but they're like, Oh, this guy. I mean, if I did a football podcast, I could do college and, and the pros and the, I can't believe they're bringing back the USFL. I'm like, really? Did, did we really miss the Memphis showboats? And, uh, or I could narrow it down to just the NFL. Okay. So I'm going to lose some of those college people. And I'm going to lose the USFL people, but now I've got the NFL. But what if I said the, and this is where my sports knowledge is, whatever the Northeast corner of, of, of the States is called, right? They got the different divisions. If I do that, okay, I've lost a, a big section of the company, of the country. But if I finally just said, okay, I'm going to do a podcast about the Cleveland Browns. A, it's going to be a very sad show, said the guy living in Ohio. Uh, but the people that are do this, and if I do a deep dive now, getting the information that you're not going to get unless you want to go buy a paper. Uh, you're not going to get that information. You now have a smaller, but much more loyal audience. And so that's, that's the hard part. I, I, or if you had something different, I had a, uh, a client of mine and I'm not sure he's still doing it. Cause I thought it was really cool. He did a podcast with his son and it was really interesting because his dad had all this, kind of old school knowledge and the son brought a whole different thing. So it was what you kind of need that if you're going to have a co-host, if, if you have a co-host, that's just like you, one of you is not needed. <laughs> We've got a clone. The son had a different angle on it and the, the dad did, and they kind of had these cool things. But I, I think for me, and I think part of it is I just, you know, living near Cleveland sports is just a rough gig. Anyway, you, you run it, but you know, you have to remember, you're up against ESPN and they are covering all the sports. So it's like the, the hardest question, no matter what you're doing in podcasting is to answer that question. Why should your audience tune into you? 
and people go, well, I'm like, well, you got to figure that out because they've got a lot of other options. So what are you doing that they can only get from you? And that might be because of your experience or because you're covering it a different way. I just helped. Uh, she's awesome. She's probably 70 something years old and she's starting a podcast called my spouse has dementia. And it's obviously a, a heart wrenching podcast, but she said she'd kind of listened to some of my shows and she said, I could have just done it about dementia and being a caregiver. She goes, but I went for the niche of spouses of people to, to answer, go to go back to your original question. What are we doing wrong when you come from radio is you're still trying to do broadcasting. And a lot of podcasters have smaller, but more rabid audiences by going by niching down. I certainly have my personal thoughts on this, but yeah. what do you think? What do you think is the best way to establish a niche that only you can provide? Because I don't think there's very many things in the world that only one person can provide. Well, there there are a couple of different ways you can niche down. One is by location, so it's like, hey, this is you know a team in this area. It's the local team. That would be one. Uh, you can also niche by age. So if I'm doing a weight loss show, I could do, okay, this is weight loss for, for people over 50. And then you can niche down again by sex. Okay. This is weight loss for men and for men in their fifties. You know, you could do that. And then you could say, all right, I'm going to niche down. Uh, maybe it's veterans that are over 50 that are trying to lose weight. Maybe there's something there that makes it specific. Anything that when you write the description and you say, this podcast is for people that are yada, da, 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 that somebody's going to look at that and go, oh my God, they made this podcast just for me. But I think the biggest one that I think is missing in radio, but I, it does exist in sports radio, which is good, is, the, is your, um, your personality. I mean, Jim Rome is a personality. He's got his own language. You know, he's got the clones and, and have a take and don't suck. And you're like, did he just say suck on the radio? I remember when he first came out. So he's all about personality. If we go back to the, the early days of radio, Wolfman Jack, you know, now that guy's before my time, but I've heard tapes and I've read books and seen movies. And that guy was just, you, you knew who he was the minute he came on. You know, there are a lot of different ways that you can niche down. And then it's just a matter. I think the big thing too, that I see with TV podcasts and I'm not sure. In, you don't have this in sports, but I know with TV podcasts, if it's an official podcast, they never say a bad thing about the TV show where if it's an independent person, they're going to like, did anybody see episode three? God, that was boring. That was a whole weird dream sequence. So I don't think we have that problem in sports because that's half the fun of sports is you get to say, well, I think that guy's an idiot or that guy's not, or this person's making all the wrong moves or, whatever it is, things like that. But uh, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. You said you had some. Um, so I can go, yes, that's good too. Oh, so you're flipping around and you're you're too used to being the interviewer and not the interviewer. <laughs> well, I'm just dying. You, you threw that crumb out there and like, well, now my curiosity, I'm dying. What I would say is that you really need to find something – I don't think you can truly find anything that you're the only person who can provide. I think that is highly unlikely. But I think it's very possible to find a niche that you have either passion or expertise in that maybe not very many people are mm. providing and that you can bring a unique take to. I know that – so when I started this podcast, 
I had actually searched for something like this, and it, it I couldn't find anything. I found later that there had been one or two somewhat similar ones that had kind of stopped before that, and then shortly after, uh, within probably like a month or two, two other pretty good ones uh, have come up. But it's find something that you are okay to talk about, even if no one's listening. I think that's kind of uh, the that's thought it. process I, I like. I always tell people if you have to find a subject that you would talk about, even if nobody's listening, because when you first start off, nobody's listening. And the other thing I used to laugh with when I was married, I remember once I went to a, a work event for hers, which means I knew nobody and she knew everybody. And we were standing there and this guy walks up and uh, he sees me standing to her. So he puts two and two together that I, I'm her husband. And he goes, Oh, are you the podcast guy? And she just looked at me and rolled her eyes and said, okay, I'll see you in 20 minutes. Cause she knew she's like, oh, okay, that guy just pulled his string and he's not going to shut up for 20 minutes. So if it's that kind of topic that you could just talk about over and over and over for me, it's, it's podcasting uh, music. I, I love to talk about as well. You know, we all have our different passions. So that is, I, I think a big key that uh, cause otherwise it's, it's kind of uh, disheartening when you spend 10 hours putting together an episode and you see, wow, I got 18 downloads. Okay. But when you're like, that's right, the next one's going to have 19 or 20 or 30 or whatever it is, and you get back on that horse, uh, you, you kind of need that when you first start off. What are realistic expectations for somebody to expect as far as listenership starting off? Yeah, when you first start off, it kind of depends, of course, on your family and friends. I always say, because people think, you know, if, if I build it, they will come, and that's just not the case. It really is. Uh, the value in the episode, it's an equation. So take the value in the episode and you multiply it by the amount you promote it. That equals total number of downloads. And the problem is in, in my travels, most podcasters do not want to get somebody else's opinion beside their mom and cousin Ernie and maybe, you know, Susan, who he grew up with. Nobody's going to get somebody that doesn't know them and say, hey, I made this show for St. Louis Cardinal fans. And I know you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan. So can you do me a favor? Can you listen to this podcast and then talk about it like I'm not in the room? And then you ask them hard questions like, did you like, oh, there's no wrong answers here. Did you listen to the whole thing? Okay, well, when did you tune out? Why did you tune out? How likely are you to tell a friend about this podcast? And those are really hard questions to here, when somebody goes, well, I made it about seven minutes in, and you go, okay, thanks so much for that. Was there a reason why you tuned out at seven minutes? Well, you said you were going to talk about, you know, such and such, and you just kept talking about what you had for breakfast, you know, and, and what the weather was in your area. Like, okay, good to know, right? So it's, if you think about it, the, if you're an author, there are rough drafts. If you're an actor, there are dress rehearsals, you know, there are all sorts of things. So when you first start off, a, you don't have to release everything you record. So get some feedback on that and realize it's probably not going to be perfect. And then when you finally get people saying, wow, that was good. When's, when's the next one coming out? Okay, now we're on to something. Because otherwise, you're just going to end up promoting something that isn't horrible. And, and I don't want to sound like you're horrible when you first start. But you you haven't really maybe found your comfort behind the microphone. You haven't figured out what your audience wants and things like that. 
And so uh, you're out there promoting something that's maybe not going to give you the effect on your audience. So, but to, to put numbers on it, the average at Libsyn, at least if I believe is around 1200 downloads per episode after it's been out 30 days and the median where it's 50% get less or 50% get more. I want to say it's around 120. It's, it's not much. And the reason for that is I shouldn't say not much because 120 is six classrooms. That's a hallway of a building that people tuned in to listen to you when they could be watching Netflix or HBO max or Disney plus or Sirius XM. So 120 is a, a, that's a lot of people. It's, it's just one of those things where it's, it's, it is a slow burn. And the, the one thing that will help you grow your audience because people are like, Oh, I wish I had a, a team of people that could just help me promote this because I know it's good. And, but yet in their audience, they're saying, please leave me a review on iTunes. Cause I think it helps me get found. Well, number one, doesn't help you get found. Number two, it's now called Apple Podcasts. And number three, you have a group of people that can help promote it. They're called your audience. And if you look at somebody like Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish, and I know you're probably saying, but Dave, I'm not a 13-year-old girl, but the reason those people are famous and they have rabid fans is if you watch documentaries on them, which I did, because I'm like, I you can learn something from these people. They both did one thing in their concert. They stopped the show, like no music, put your phones down. I want your attention. And they addressed their audience slowly, specifically and confidently and said, Hey, are you guys okay? Cause I just want to make sure you guys understand. I really appreciate that you're here. And so if you did that and said, Hey, you know, I see we're at the 18 minute mark and you're still here. I really appreciate that. If you know somebody that is trying to launch a sports podcast can you share this podcast with them right now? You're probably listening on your phone. 80% of you are just click on the button. It's the share button's probably in the upper right-hand corner. If they like the show and they're getting value from it and they know somebody that will do it because who doesn't want to help out a friend, they will do that. So it's one of those things. Now it's not going to be overnight, but in the book, uh, make noise by Eric Newsom, he said he had a client that grew his audience by 35% just doing that over a couple months, but it all comes down to, is the show any good? And again, most people don't take that step because I don't want to hear that you tuned out at seven minutes after I spent 10 hours working on it, but I'll, I'll spend another 20 hours promoting something that's not going to give me the results I want. So it's, it's kind of a harsh, it sounds harsh, but it's like, yeah, you know, Ron, Ron Howard has been nominated for 50 Academy Awards. And yet every movie he puts out, he plays it in front of an audience first before he releases it on a, on a big stage. Cause he's like, entertainment is how you affect your audience. And he goes, and I want to watch an audience watch my movie. So what I think is going to make them laugh, made them laugh. And what I thought was going to make them cry, made them cry. So it's a, uh, it's a tricky business. We're in the entertainment business. That's the, the fun part. So whatever makes things entertaining, you got to do that. One of the places where broadcasters or people in media already is, you know, certainly you most of them aren't going to have a huge audience, but they may have a pre-existing audience or a larger yeah. than normal social media following. Uh, talking, just kind of following up on what you were just talking about, how do you leverage that at the beginning when you're still in, for lack of a better word, the market research phase, uh, trying to figure out if you're good, bad, in the middle? 
There are a couple of things you can do. One of the things I did by accident, and I want to do it again on purpose, is I said in my podcast, hey, uh, or actually, I take this back. I did this with, I had a newsletter. So that's one thing. Have a newsletter because that way you can contact your people without putting out a podcast. Maybe you just want to have a little behind the scenes discussion. And anybody that signs up to your newsletter is somebody who wants more of you because otherwise they just take the free you know, uh, podcast. So they've signed up for a newsletter because they want more information. And I, I meant to send this out to 10 people on my email list. And I said, hey, I'm doing some market research. I need your opinion. If you're interested in this, I would love to hang out with you for about a half hour and talk about it. And instead of sending it to 10 people, I sent it to my entire list. And so to make a long story short, for the next two weeks, a half hour at a time, I just had meeting after meeting after meeting with my audience. And it was amazing because I still remember there was one guy out in Oklahoma that had a computer in his garage and his whole garage wall was nothing but guns. And I was like, okay, what, like, whatever I do, don't make that guy mad. He's like, I'm not crazy. I just got lots of critters out here. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Uh, But it was just fun finding out that what they liked about the show, what they thought the perfect length was and things like that. So again, it was just kind of a focus group. Uh, There's that. There are other things you can do. If you go into Amazon and look for four-star and two-star reviews, because one-stars aren't very good. It'd be like, this was horrible, one-star. Like, okay, but but why was it horrible? Where a two-star will go, you know, I was going to give this book a, a one-star review, but he did mention this, or she did mention that. So it's not, so it gives you a little more detail, a four-star review. I would have given this five, except they mentioned this, and that's horrible. So usually four-star and two-star reviews, they get a little more detailed in their feedback. If you want to see some fun feedback, type whatever you want to talk about into YouTube because people on YouTube have no problem voicing their opinion in the comments. And so you'll be like, oh, this guy's an idiot because, you know, like, okay, mark that down. Don't, don't talk about this or that. So there are all sorts of ways to see what's, what's pushing people's buttons. And then you could do things again, if you, if you have a newsletter and if you don't start one, but you know, you can, use a Google form to get feedback on things and uh, go that route. But to me, you know, if I don't have an audience, it's, it's tough. And that's where we just got to, again, specifically and succinctly and confidently ask them like, Hey, if you enjoyed this show, could you do me a favor and go to my website.com slash contact and let me know what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. I'm doing this show for you. I want it to be, something that you look forward to all the time. And so I'm happy to, to uh, hear any feedback that you have. And what happens is people will say, Hey, I'd love to have your feedback. Just go to my website.com slash contact. And don't forget to, uh, you know, DM me on Instagram and follow me on Twitter. And also did the, and you know, and 17 calls to action later, nobody does anything. But if you do one call to action and go, Hey, Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I'm dying to hear what you thought about this. I really need your feedback. If you could, it's super simple. Just go to mywebsite.com, whatever it is, slash contact. And I can't wait to uh, start a, do- a dialogue with you slowly, succinctly, specifically, and confidently. The other thing when it comes to asking people to share your show, people feel like, and this is a bad stereotype, but let's say I'm a 1972 um, used car salesman trying to sell you a bucket of bolts. That's kind of the bad, you know, when you hear used car salesman, that's what comes up. 
And so what happens, you have people asking their audience to share the show. And it sounds like this. Hey, uh, if you want to, you can like, I mean, you don't have to, but I like, you know, maybe kind of, you know, the show, the episode and somebody, you know, the website is com. you know, uh, thanks. You're like, what? But if somebody said, hey, you know, I I see you're still here. If you if you know somebody would like this show, please share it at least with one person. Thanks so much. It'd, It'd mean the world to me. Slowly, specifically, confidently asking your audience to do something as opposed to here's 17 things to do or here's one thing to do said poorly that you don't understand what I just said. So So if a person gets to the point where they hear this, you know what, all this sounds really good. I think I want to start uh, my podcast. I want to expand my brand and create a larger platform. What do you start with with equipment and hosting? The Samson Q2U microphone is really handy because, A, it sounds pretty good. It works both on XLR and USB. So if you just got a laptop and it's just you, you don't even need a mixer. You can go directly into any computer and use Audacity, which is a free audio editing software. And then for hosting, uh, I always recommend Libsyn. And people go, oh, you say that because you work there. I'm like, no, I was actually, I've been a happy Libsyn, uh, a happy Libsyn customer Going on 17 years, uh, I've been a happy Libsyn employee for six. So I recommended them many years before I started working there. So, Well, and, I and, also and, am a Libsyn customer, and I will vouch for it. They are, <laughs> it's very easy and simple. It obviously is not free like some options are. And I think maybe you should address those free options because that's what most people want to start with. Yeah, and in the same way that – Well, number one, free is a horrible business model, and that's why most of them, if they start, last almost three years, and then they go out of business. And I have a list somewhere of about, I want to say nine or 10 different companies. One went went through $36 million to, and, and then still went out of business. And most of the free business models, here's what it is. Hey, join for free, and then we're gonna, we're gonna help you grow your audience, which is a lie. Because if you take a Corvette on a flat road in Arizona, it'll go, let's say, 120 miles an hour. If you take that same red Corvette and put it on a flat road in Dallas, Texas, it's going to go 120 miles an hour. It's not the road in the same way that it's not the media host. It's the content and the marketing that drive the downloads. So, But the free host will say, come on, and we're going to get you paid, first of all. We're going to find sponsors for you, and that's how we stay in business is because we're going to take a piece of that money too from advertising. You'll get some of it. You'll get free hosting. Uh, you'll get some money. We'll get money because of the sponsorship. It's a win-win. Well, the problem is, A, most of these places don't have sponsors because brands aren't going to just advertise on anybody because I'm a, I don't know, I'm a, a Christian author and I want to uh, you know, get the word out about my book. And it's on, you know, Booger and the the Sleaze podcast who's talking about their favorite whiskey. Like, that's not a good fit. So you have to be, We all, that's all we hear about is being brand safe. So the whole, we've got sponsor for you, that usually doesn't work. And that's why uh, one free host, Anchor, the only ad you hear on Anchor is Anchor. So the one thing that's supposed to be making them money is actually costing them money. And it's just, so the other thing is, let's say you actually do grow your audience. And so now you get approached or or they approach you with an actual sponsor. Okay, well, if I've got a big enough audience to get sponsors, 
why would I stay on a media host when I can go and pay for one and keep more of the money for myself? And that's exactly what happens. And consequently, their business model of, oh, we'll stay in business through advertising falls apart. And consequently, they're paying all this money for bandwidth and storage, and they go out of business in about three years. And I've seen it over and over and over. So yeah, don't start with free is like training wheels. And I'm like, you know, here's the thing. Let's say you you start at Libsyn and you're $15 a month and you do this three months and you go, ah, this isn't for me. Okay, well, now go golfing once. Chances are by the time you drive there, you know, pay for your golf, get a some sort of beverage, maybe on the way home, get a snack. You're, you're probably going to sneeze 45, $45. So, you know, treat it like a hobby and most hobbies are not free. How close of attention should someone pay to their analytics? When you're first starting, uh, it's the problem is staring at your numbers does not make them grow. And I still do the same thing I always do. When I upload a file and it's the, the latest episode, so I'm, I'm typing my notes and things like that, I look at my numbers and I go, are those up or down from the last episode? And if they're up, I go, I'm good. And if they're down, I'm like, hmm, okay. And I look and I'm like, okay, what was the title of that? Because your title is hugely uh, important to your your uh, your downloads because if it says episode 16 of the Dave Jackson Power Hour, nobody knows what's in it besides Dave Jackson and who the heck's Dave Jackson. But if it said, you know, how to make money turning dog crap into gold, I think people might click on that. You know, it's like, so let your, and and especially if you think about when somebody finds your show and they see your artwork, the next thing I look at is your episode titles. And so they're already halfway to clicking play on something. And when they see the episode title and it's not episode 17 for April 22nd and April 18th for April 23rd, that doesn't make me click on it. Give me a clue. I mean, you, you talked about something. Can't you come up with one sentence to, to grab the attention, not to mention the SEO yeah, so so look at them, but what's fun is you get obsessed with them, and then you end up wasting time because all it takes is one person to find your show, and let's say you have 10 downloads or 10 episodes. Well, if it's really good, that person's going to download the other 10. I mean, we do that all the time. I just did that on Netflix with the woman of the girl that sat at the window with Kristen Bell. I watched the first episode and then went, oh, cool. And then sat there for the next two days and watched the other ones because the first one was good. And so people will do that. Now, what happens if somebody sends out a newsletter to 100 people and four people come over and download all 10 of your episodes out of nowhere? You got 40 downloads and you're like, something must be wrong. I've got downloads. And then the other thing is, well, uh, what if somebody didn't mention you? in a newsletter, and all of a sudden, you didn't get as many downloads as the next one, well, then something must be wrong. So when you kind of obsess over your stats, you spend a lot of time troubleshooting things that are not broken. And so it's, it's and I totally get it, but it's the time you spend looking at your stats are much better spent hanging out in a Facebook group, hanging out on a Reddit, subreddit, uh, the, where your audience is to find out what they're talking about so that your next episode is going to be what they want to hear. One of the things that I've personally kind of gone back and forth on on my podcast, I know when I started it, my thought was always this podcast, people who are listening to it are listening because of the guest. And over time, 
I had enough people say, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? They wanted to hear more about the host. They wanted more personality, for lack of a better word, into it. How do you get your personality into into your show without taking it over? Yeah, there, what I try to do is if I'm making a point, I try to make that point with a personal story. So earlier we were talking about when you start a podcast, you know, how many downloads should you have? And you should, you know, you're going to need some passion to keep going because when you first start, you're not going to have that many downloads. And I explained that once in an episode. And I said, at the time I had a 16 year old stepson. And if I got within 50 feet of that kid, he was waving keys at me going, can we go driving? Can we go driving? Cause he was obsessed with getting his driver's license. I said, so when you first start your podcast, you need the passion of a 16 year old trying to get your license because that's all that kid thought about and dreamed about. And like, you kind of need that kind of passion. And what was fun is I got an email from a listener that said, I have one of those. She almost killed me last week when I was driving around. And then you start having that conversation. Uh, when Muhammad Ali died years ago, uh, when I was growing up, there were two things that were constant. Nixon was president and Ali was champ. And the more I got into Muhammad Ali and read his story and all the things he stood up for and he got thrown in jail and all sorts of stuff. He was just so much more than a boxer. And I went, okay, I want to talk about more. I'm just dying to talk about Muhammad Ali, but how can I do this in a podcast? What does it have to do with podcasting? Well, here are 10 things that podcasters can learn from Muhammad Ali. Number one guy was so unique. Like there was nobody else like that guy B constantly marketing in himself and explaining why people should listen and show up and I'm going to knock him out in the first round. And, and like, so it was all these things. So I was, ex I was sharing my passion of Muhammad Ali, but I was still talking about podcasting. And so what was interesting is, again, I had people that emailed me that said, hey, Dave, really love that episode. He was my champ, too. So anytime you can make a point or a story about yourself, on one hand, I'm talking about myself, but I'm still making that point. So it's, I, there's still something there for my listener, not just my favorite cup or my favorite color is purple, you know, or, you know, let me talk about the French toast this morning. You know, if it's something that's still going to benefit the listener in a way, uh, because I have heard people that just get on the thing and like they, they talk. And, and as always with podcasting, there are no rules, do what you want, <laughs> but I've heard podcasts where it sounds like it's a phone call and you're only hearing one side and they're like, Oh man, it's Wednesday. I don't know what I was going to talk about, but I told you I'd put out an episode every Wednesday. So if somebody says that I hit stop immediately because they just said, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So now they're just going to riff off the top of their head. And they're like, well, you know, my wife, she was doing this thing and it's a story and it's fine if you want to know more about the host. But in the end, if I just spent 45 minutes with you and all I learned is you don't like Rice Krispies, I'm like, that's, you know, it depends on what your what the goal of the podcast is. But there are times when anytime I hear that, well, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but it's Thursday and, you know, I always publish on Thursday. I'm like, yeah, that's somebody who's going to waste 20 minutes of my time. So. One of my uh, one of my friends, uh, we always would when we were trying to annoy each other, we would call each other when we knew we couldn't answer, and we would just basically do that and fill up their entire voicemail. That was our goal. So <laughs> it is annoying. I wouldn't listen to that as a podcast. Yeah. No. Exactly. You are also an author. I don't think I mentioned that in your long list of titles. You're like the podcasting Khaleesi. 
of with like 17 different titles. But you're the author of a book called Profit from Your Podcast. And you mentioned that a lot of people get into podcasting thinking they're going to make money right away. What should be a realistic expectation of when you can make money if you should make money with a podcast and just generally how how you can yeah. profit from it, even in other yeah. ways? Well, number one, your show has to be good because to be to to monetize, you have to have an audience and have an audience that has to be good. So, again, you have to get that feedback. Uh, the easiest way, easy, let's take that back, the most profitable way, because none of these are easy, because it, it revolves around growing your audience. And the thing that nobody wants to hear is Valerie Geller in the book Beyond Powerful Radio says it takes about three years to grow an audience. And when I talked to the people that I interviewed for the book, a big chunk of them took about three years before they started making a penny. So again, when we talk about you better have some passion when you show up, because nobody wants to hear that. Like three years, I was thinking more like three months and then other people like three days, you know, but the, the most profitable thing is if you have a product or service. So for me, I'm selling a membership site, I'm selling consulting and things like that. And those are not, mine are not super high ticket. My consulting is, my consulting is not cheap. But on the other hand, if you've built that relationship with your audience and what happens is if you can publish on a regular basis, uh, that builds a little bit of credibility some people take that wrong and they will put out, I would rather have a late episode that was good than a meh episode that was on time. Sometimes people get upset on the, or obsessed on the consistency. It's like consistency in, in quality of content is I think more important, but if, if you're consistent and then if you've shared a little bit about you, they feel like they know you. And if what you're giving them is helpful, well, they're going to probably like you. So you got that whole no like and trust thing going on. And so when you say, I have a new book, I have a course, I do this, I do that, you know, um, you can hire me as a speaker or whatever it is, that is probably the most profitable. Then you get into things like affiliate marketing. I've made some decent cash with affiliate marketing, which is basically selling somebody else's stuff through a special link where you get a commission on that sale. Then you get into um, crowdfunding is another one. There's a great website, Graftreon. So it's G-R-A-P-H. T-R-E-O-N, and it's kind of a, a play on Patreon, which is this crowdfunding thing. And I always tell people, remember, that word is crowdfunding, which means you have to have a crowd. And sometimes we start off focusing on the funding and we forget about the crowd. But there is a that website shows where people are making, you know, five and six figures a month doing crowdfunding. But you also look at when they started their podcast and it wasn't last week. So there's crowdfunding. Some people are doing really great with that. Then you get into ads and ads really, unless it's a hyper local show and you've got this super niche product that fits ads only work for about 10% of podcasts because, and then you get into things like Casper mattress and stamps.com and all that other stuff. But you have to have about 10,000 downloads for those quote big sponsors and about 10% of the podcasts do that. And the rest don't. But if you're doing a local show for Poughkeepsie and, you know, Fred's Barbecue on the corner of Main and Third wants to advertise, you could probably get a decent amount of advertising for that because you have his target audience. So there's that. There's donations, free stuff. Uh, I talk about how you can get free stuff for your podcast. And uh, some people are doing live events, which is kind of interesting. So the, the bottom line was almost everyone I interviewed except for one had multiple streams of income. It wasn't just ads. It was ads and affiliate. It was 
uh, you know, Patreon and, you know, this and sponsorship and blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't just one stream of income. It was multiple streams. So it's, uh, it's not easy. I, much like a, a book, you think the hard part of writing a book is writing the book and it's not. The book is the easy part. The hard part is getting people to read it. And so creating the podcast is not the hard part. The hard part is getting people to listen. And the other thing that, that just kills people, and I hear this stat over and over and over, is if we look at crowdfunding and you're like, hey, I've got, you know, 100 people listening to this episode. If I could get 50% of those people, if I could get 50 people to give me 10 bucks, that'd be 500 bucks a month. That would be my card payment. Well, the problem is you're not going to get 50%. You're not going to get 20%. You're not going to get 10%. Over and over, I see the stat is 3%. And you're like, why? I'm like, because it's free. I I can still get a big chunk of this for free. And it's those super fans that are going to put out the the 10 bucks for the bonus stuff. And so that's, but on the other hand, when you get that 500 bucks from your super fans, and now you've got that focus group. So if you want to go, hey, I'm thinking of doing this in the future, you've got a built-in focus group now, which is cool. But then you you throw that on top of your affiliate and maybe you have a, a speaker's fee or whatever it is you're going to do. It's multiple streams of income. So I want to kind of wrap this up with a couple things. And I was hoping to find a way to sneak this in a little bit more smoothly. But at the very beginning of the show, you talked about uh, – picking some problematic titles and how uh, that really affected the audience that was getting to your show. How do you recommend picking a title? How do you balance, you know, creativity with just being obvious and making it easy to search? You want it easy and have keywords in it. I had a guy that was going to do a show called after the darkness. And so how, how do I know if it's a good name? is to go to, again, somebody who's your target audience and say, hey, I'm going to do a show called After the Darkness. What do you think it's about? And his friends went, uh, wasn't that a band in the 90s? And somebody else said, I know it's about vampires, right? And they all get, nobody guessed what it was. And I said, well, okay, well, tell me again, what's your show about? He goes, it's it's my life after blindness. And I go, dude, that is the name of your show. Life, it's like, you don't want to get cute with it. And you, if you can have some keywords in there and just think about it, like what are people going to be searching for when they search for a podcast? So that really, for me, if you can say to somebody, Hey, I'm doing a show called logical weight loss. What do you think it's about? And they go, duh, weight loss. Okay, great. I'm doing a show called web tools radio. What do you think it's about? I don't know, probably tools about web design or something. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing a show called school of podcasting. What do you think it's about? I don't know, probably something about learning how to pod, you know, to me, I'm a big fan of, you know, the, the duh effect, right? When your audience goes, what? It's about such and such. So that's to me, if you can do that, it's, it will hopefully jump off the page a little sooner and quicker and stronger at your audience. So like, Oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So hence the, my, my one client that just launchers, uh, you know, my spouse has dementia. Okay. I wonder what that show's about, you know, sex with Emily. I wonder what that show's about. (laughs) Um, You know, so no agenda show. Okay. Probably a political show, you know, things like that. Uh, Congressional dish. I know what that show's about. So I like the damn score. Say the damn score. Probably something about a sports. Exactly. So one of the things that I ask every broadcaster that I 
have on the show is to give what I call a broadcasting horror story where they're on the air and everything goes wrong. And Hmm. you're obviously not a sports broadcaster, but I think that there's enough similarities in podcasting that I can say, give me your podcast horror story of a time where just everything went completely wrong in a mortifying way at the time that you laugh about and tell the story at conferences to other podcasters when you meet them. <laughs> well, the the one that recently just happened, and I think this is part of it, when you are a podcaster, you kind of learn to just roll with the punches because there are times when technology is not going to be your friend. And so I'm doing every Saturday, I do a live call-in show. And by call-in, I mean you can ask questions in the chat. Uh, you can actually jump into the video, but most people just ask via the chat and it's called Ask the Podcast Coach. And I was using a new piece of equipment. About halfway through, all of a sudden, I could hear my co-host, uh, but he could not hear me. And I'm like, yeah, I just hear him going, Dave, Dave. And then I hear him go, yeah, we can't hear you. And I was like, what? So I'm, I'm clicking buttons, and this is live. I'm like, what are you going to do? And there's no engineer to, like, point at Ernie and go, dude, get me back on the air. And so I, after trying a couple different things – I actually had to reboot this device. I actually had to unplug the cable, plug it back in, reboot, and then, you know, I was still connected, but I couldn't get my sound to the uh, the live stream. And that fixed it, but it was just, it was one of those things where had I not done that before, or like I say, you kind of, I could have easily panicked and been like, oh my God, what's the, they can't hear me and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you just kind of hold up the, hold on a second finger. You know, and like, and then in this case, we have, uh, I use StreamYard for uh, any kind of live streaming stuff. And I just, we have a private chat between me and my co-host. And I said, I'm going to reboot the device. And he's just like, okay. And he just started talking to the chat room, and which is great in a co-host. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick up the ball and run because Dave doesn't have any audio. So that was one. And I think every good podcaster has, and I don't, but this is this is the last time it happened. And you have to do the call of shame. And I interviewed a friend of mine named Paul Culligan, and I don't even remember what the interview was. I just remember it was great, and I got done, and I, it was over Skype, and I had some sort of Skype recording software, and I hit stop, and it kind of, for lack of a better phrase, the software kind of went, eh, and just kind of stopped halfway, and there was nothing I could do to get it back. And so I call him back, and Paul's a friend of mine. He goes, are you doing the call of shame? I go, I am doing the call of shame. I go, that was a great interview. Let's do it one more time with feeling. And if you've ever had to do that, it's never as good as the first one because you know what the answers are and everything like that. But uh, from that point forward, I've always had two things recording whatever I'm doing. So if I'm doing a live stream, uh, StreamYard saves it to YouTube, but I also have either a roadcaster or something, some sort I, I try to have software and hardware going because one or the other, depending on who the, the more important your guest, the better the chance that your, your, your file is going to get eaten. So I always try to have two things going. If somebody wanted to join the school of podcasting or listen to your podcast, I can tell you, I am an avid listener of both the school of podcasting and the podcasters Roundtable. I can't say I've listened to all of them because you have like 800 of them, but I think probably the last 250, 300 is, is where I'm at. But uh, if someone wanted to get in touch or learn more about podcasting from you, how would you suggest going about it? 
Yeah, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com. Everything I have over there, you can join my newsletter. You can contact me. I have about every form of contact. I think I'm going to add smoke signals next week. So if you want to contact me via smoke signals, that'll all be there, schoolofpodcasting.com. And as uh, Logan mentioned, there's now 813 episodes over there. But uh, the first 100 are getting a little old in the tooth where they're just, I actually removed a couple because everything I talked about doesn't exist anymore. 813 <laughs> sounds like a number that you just pull out because you're trying to say a big number. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, like, I just, I, I published it yesterday, episode 813. So, well, thanks again for coming on. Once again, we're talking to Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting podcast review show, podcasters round table and podcasting hall of famer. He doesn't get a bronze bust in, uh, some tiny city somewhere. But, Dave, thanks so much for coming on and helping us out a little bit. Logan, thank you so much, man. This has been great. Thanks for listening to the Say the Damn Score podcast. I'm your host, Logan Anderson. Remember to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of com. Also, please follow me on your favorite social media outlet, uh, at radio underscore Logan on Twitter or say the damn score on Instagram. Remember, I always appreciate honest feedback, whether that's an Apple podcast review, email, or, or any other kind of honest criticism that helps make the show better. It's greatly appreciated. And if you give five star reviews and say nice things, you help boost my ego. And that seems like something worth doing. Finally, please reach out to the guests of the show this week. That's Dave Jackson to let him know that you appreciate him sharing his stories and expertise on podcasting on this podcast. And as always, the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.